0: good to be with you this morning. Um, morning this morning we're going to continue our journey to the cross. It's our series for Lent. And um, in our Lenten season, we are taking the journey to the cross. And, and here's the, uh, the deal with this, that, that we believe that Jesus took the journey. In Lent, we follow Jesus on the journey to the cross. So these are the 40 days leading up to Easter, not including Sundays. And Lent is traditionally a time that we think of Jesus' journey to the cross, and, and then we do some, some self-reflection and some su- surrender. And, and in Luke chapter 9, Jesus says in verse 23 and 24, whoever wants to be my disciple... Must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And so the journey to the cross is not just watching or remembering Jesus' journey to the cross, it's that we want to take up our cross and follow him. On the journey to the cross. So last week we talked about repentance, that as we're on this journey to the cross, if we get off the path a little bit, we need to repent. And repenting is not just saying I'm sorry or acknowledging it, but it's turning and getting back on the path. Today we're gonna to talk about something that I think is maybe the toughest thing in taking up our cross. And it's maybe the most countercultural, counterintuitive thing, and it's humility. Humility is a really tough thing. And so, real quick, there was a pastor that was driving home one day. He was on his way home, and all of a sudden, his car broke down. He was right there on the side of the road. His car broke down. He was pretty far from home, and so he was stuck, and the pastor, you know, felt helpless, but he looked up, and he saw a farm there was a farm right there, so he thought, hey, I'll walk over to the farm and maybe somebody at the farm will help me. So the pastor got out of his car that was broken down and he walked over to the farm and he went to the front door and he knocked and the farmer answered the door and he said, oh man, I'm so glad you're home. I need your help. My car broke down and I've got no way to get home. Can you help me? And the farmer looked at him and the farmer said, listen, I don't have another car for you uh, and, and I, don't, I can't personally take you home, but here's what I can do for you. I've got a horse that you can borrow. And the pastor said, listen, I mean, it's not ideal, but whatever you've got, I'll take it because I'm stuck. I'm desperate. And he said, okay, well, I got this horse. If you'll take it." And so he takes him out back. They walk out back, and there's the horse. And, and, and the farmer says, now, I need to tell you about this horse. This is a special horse. This horse was raised by a church, and this is a holy horse. And, and so this horse is different from every other horse. The only way that you can get the horse to go is to say, praise the Lord. And the only way you can get the horse to stop is to say, amen. The pastor said, cool, I got it. And so he he jumps on the horse. He thanks the farmer. He's so, so thankful for it. And and he takes off on his way. And he gets about a mile down the road. Everything's going fine. And all of a sudden, a snake comes out. And it, it spooks the horse. And the horse takes off, and he starts running towards the edge of a cliff, and the pastor is is panicking, and he he doesn't remember. In his panic, he can't remember what he needs to say, and so he's saying, stop, whoa, and he's pulling the reins, and come on, stop, whoa, pulling the reins, and nothing's working. Horse just keeps running towards the cliff, And, and, and I mean, he's in big trouble, and so what does a pastor do when he's in big trouble? He prays, and he said, God... Come on, I need you so much right now. God, I can't get this horse to stop. God, I've been so faithful to you. Come on, I've been a pastor my whole life. I've I've mowed the lawn of the church. I've cleaned the church. I've prayed with people in the middle of the night. I've studied my Bible day and night. I've been to church every Sunday. I've never missed a Sunday. Come on, God, I've been so faithful. If anybody deserves to be saved, it's me, Lord. Please save me. And he's prayed that prayer. The horse is still running, but, but how do we end our prayer? We sa- he said, amen. When he said amen, miraculously, the horse stopped right before that cliff. And the pastor was so relieved. He's looking over the edge, and he's like, oh, man, God, you saved me. Thank you so much. You saw my humility, and you saved me. Praise the Lord! just when you think you've made it. That's the problem with humility, that just when you think you've made it, just when you think you've gotten there, you're not there. And so today we're going to study 1 Peter chapter 5. And so if you'll stand with me for God's Word. We stand because we believe God wants to speak to us and lead us through His Word. And I'll read, and you can follow along on the screen. We're going to read verses 5 through 11. It says, All of you... Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the grace of God, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To Him be the power forever and ever. Amen. You can have a seat. So, this is Peter's letter to the church in Rome and in and the church that was in Rome, this was a circulatory letter. This is one that was sent around to all the different churches. And basically, the church in Rome exists in a, in a, in a community, in a place that was not Christian. In fact, it was pretty hostile. So, so these churches, these, these Christians were being persecuted. And so Peter writes this to help the, the, the people of God know how to act, how to live in a hostile, unchristian world. Now, I'm not going to say that we're living in Rome, but I think we can relate a little bit that our world is not exactly putting God first. And so, Peter's instruction here to the people is the same as the instruction to us. And he says in chapter 5, he starts by saying, um, leaders, the leaders of the church, he's speaking specifically, he says, leaders, you need to serve humbly. Don't be about money, don't be about power, don't be about holding things over others, but humbly serve others. And then he, he goes on, he says, he says, young people, submit to the leaders. Humble yourselves and submit to the leaders. And, and then in verse 5, he changes it and he starts talking to everyone. And he says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. So there are three parts of this, and I, I just want to reiterate that, that humility is a tough tough thing. I think maybe the hardest thing to do is to live a humble life in a world that tells you that it's all about you. And so there's three things here. Number one, it talks about humility in our relationships with each other. Number two, it talks about uh, humility in, in our relationship with God and trusting in God. And the third is, is focusing um, on Christ in the face of the enemy. And then there's a, a bonus promise at the end. So, so let's start by looking at our relationships with each other, it says, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. So this this statement here, clothe yourselves with humility, I hope you're getting a picture here that we have to clothe ourselves with humility. The, the idea here is that humility is not something that comes natural to us. It's against our sinful, selfish nature that every single one of us was born with, and so we weren't wired necessarily at, in, in a sinful world to live a humble life of humility. And, and, and so he says, clothe yourself. Now, that word clothe, it's actually a really interesting word. It's, it's a rare word, and it talked about the servants and the slaves, what they would do is they would clothe themselves with certain garments that set them apart from others. So, if you were a servant or you were a slave, you would have a belt or like an apron that you would put on and you would clothe yourself with it. This is saying, clothe yourselves with humility. The idea is we have to clothe ourselves. In the King James Version, it says, be clothed, that God will clothe us with humility, but but we are to be clothed with humility toward one another. And so we put on humility. We choose humility. Humility is something that's not going to come naturally to you. And even if you're doing well today, I mean, just like that pastor headed for the cliff, even if you get it right in a moment, it's really easy to get it wrong. And so clothe yourselves. With humility. For, for, for a little bit more teaching on this, I want to go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5-8. through eight. It says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself... By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is an extreme calling, but but what this says in Philippians, and this is a further teaching on the idea of clothing ourselves, this is what it looks like to clothe yourselves with humility. It, It says that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to His advantage. He made Himself nothing. He humbled Himself. This is, that's extreme, isn't it? It says He humbled Himself even to death in obedience to death, even death on a cross. I want to tell you, church, that we are called to this. This is not just a great idea or a great thought or an ideal or kind of a pipe dream of, hey, we're, we should maybe become this. This is the calling. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset. Follow Jesus. So he Journeyed to the cross, we are called to take up our cross and follow him. And so, three parts of this. Number one, it says he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. The first part of clothing yourself with humility is the way you view yourself or your status. Jesus was fully God. If anybody that's ever walked this earth had the right to think that he was better than everyone and to think that he deserved to be high, that was Jesus. But he did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Sometimes we get focused a little bit too much on how we're perceived, or, or we are thought of, or our status. Listen to me. We should be more concerned as followers of Christ with our obedience to God than our standing with others. We all want to be liked, right? We all want to be in positions of, you know, authority or power. We want to be looked up to. Listen, you should be more concerned with being obedient to God than your standing with others. This tells us that Jesus did not consider his status equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage does anyone in here still have direct tv anybody got any direct tv people all right all right struggling a little bit direct tv <laughs> so i was a direct tv customer for a long time and there was this song and dance that you did as a direct tv customer if you had direct tv hopefully you took advantage of this song and dance but what happens with direct tv or what used to happen is that you would sign up and you would have a rate and then at a certain point, it would start to, they'd start to tack things on. And what started at like 60 bucks a month over the course of a year and a half or so would turn into about $200 a month. And all of a sudden, I mean, I was a customer of DirecTV for a long time, 12 years I think it was. And every once in a while, I would come to the place where I'd be like, why am I paying so much? So what would I do? I would call DirecTV. And I would say, listen, I've been a faithful customer for 12 years. I deserve better than to be charged this much money for cable. Come on, you owe it to me. I'm a faithful customer, and that idea is that I have earned something. I have a status. You know, you're offering these great rates to all these other people that just joined, but but here I am. I've kept you for 12 years, and you're jacking up my prices. And there was this song and dance, and usually they would cut my bill down a little bit. If you're still a DirecTV customer, take advantage of that. I don't know if they still do it. But but it was this idea that, hey, I deserve better. And unfortunately, I think that kind of thinking has crept into the church and crept into the lives of Christians. And we've kind of come to a place in our culture that, that we feel like church is about what we can get. And listen, I, I want to say this up front. I'm not trying to step on anyone's toes. I love you all. You are a wonderful church. But, but in our culture, in our world today, church has become consumeristic. And people have this idea that, that the church owes them something or, or they're more about what they can get. And we hear people say things like, hey, they aren't meeting my needs. Hey, they aren't treating me Right, and there's this idea that that the church exists just to give you more and more. Listen to me. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. It says, Jesus did not consider his status, equality, as something to be used to his own advantage. But he emptied himself. Can I tell you that God's design for the church is not that we would all come in selfishly looking for what we can get? but that we would come selflessly looking for what we can give. JFK said it about our country. He said, ask not what what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. That's the mindset that we should have as followers of Christ. It's not coming into the church and saying, what can you do for me? But what can I do for God? How can I serve? That's how we should view things. And so stop worry and listen, I'm not speaking at any person. I just want to say this. This is that's not how this is designed. Stop worrying about what you're getting and start, start praying about what you can give, how you can serve. And I promise it'll change church for you. You it will change the way you think of it. And so the first thing is that we should be more concerned with our obedience to God than our, our standing with others. The second is this: it says that he made himself nothing by by taking the very nature of a servant. You heard in this clothe yourselves with compassion. I told you that, that word clothe yourselves is like it's it's as in slaves and servants who would take and they would clothe themselves. And, and it says that Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. The second thing, the second way that we clothe ourselves with humility is this: we are called to be. Servants We are called people of God. You are called to be a servant of others. Clothe yourselves with humility. In John chapter 13, Jesus is meeting with his disciples. and he takes off his outer garment, he says he puts a towel around his waist, and he stoops down. He clothes himself with humility, and he stoops down and he washes his disciples' feet. And then it says in verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet. He put on his clothes and returned to his place. He says, Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. The call to humility is a call to serve others, to put others first. And and so we are called not just to be holy, righteous. We're not just called to look good. We're not just called to, to play the part, to behave well, to show up to church. You know what we're called to do? We're called to serve the world around us and the people around us. We are called to be servants. The third part of this, it talks about the scope of our obedience. It says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So, here's the question we have to ask ourselves. in in clothing ourselves with humility, where's the limit? Where do I stop? When can I stop obeying? And the answer is right here. Have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who humbled himself in obedience to death, even death on a cross. The answer to that question is, there is no limit. We give everything. We surrender everything to God. There should be no limit our obedience to God. Full humility means full surrender. And you may be sitting there thinking there's no way, no way. But I want to move back to 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 6 and 7. It says, humble yourselves therefore. This, it started by talking about our relationship with each other. Now it talks about our relationship with God. It says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So, so the question that you should be rightfully asking is how can I possibly completely surrender? How can I possibly humble myself completely, even in obedience to death? How can I take up my cross daily? How does that work? And it it says it right here we humble ourselves to God and he takes care of us. You guys have all, have, have you all flown before? When you get on the plane, usually a stewardess will stand up and, and or a flight attendant will stand up and they'll go through the whole measures, they tell you where the exits are, uh, they, they show you a little booklet about what's happening, you know, how you can get out, what the safety measures, but then there's one thing they do, they, they always take a mask, an oxygen mask, and they take it and they drop it down just like this and it drops down and they say, in the event of emergency, you take this mask and you do what? You put it on yourself and they say, listen. Before you take care of anyone else, you take care of yourself. Now, that makes sense on an airplane. It's going to be hard to save others if you're dead. But this teaching is countercultural. Jesus says, no, humble yourself completely, surrender yourself completely, and trust me to take care of you. On an airplane, put your mask on first. I'm not telling you to disobey, okay? In your faith, surrender yourself completely. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up. It says, cast all your anxieties on Him. I want you to think about something for a minute. How much of your time and energy do you spend thinking of yourself? Really think about this. How much of your time and energy do you spend on yourself? Worrying about what people think, worrying about how you look, worrying about, you know, where you stand. How much of your anxiety is about yourself? This says, cast your anxiety on Him, for He cares for you. How much more could we serve? How much more could we give if we didn't have to worry about ourselves? This says, cast it all on God and He will take care of you. In order to fully live in humility with others, we have to be able to put our trust fully in God. Here's the deal. You don't have the religious, the faith, the the energy. You don't have the bandwidth to take care of you first and then pour yourself out completely for others. It doesn't work that way. If you put yourself first... You will not be able to live out the call to humility. Cast all your cares and anxieties on God. Entrust God with everything, and He will take care of you. If you trust God, then what others are doing for you doesn't matter because you know God's going to take care of you. If you trust God, then what you give is inconsequential because you know God will take care of you. If you serve, if you pour yourself in service to God and to others, you, you trust God and He will take care of you. And how others think won't matter. Because all, all that matters is how God thinks. All right, weekly pastoral confession time. Here we go. You know, I like to confess to you. I want you to know that, that this stuff is real for me. Every day when I come to work, I walk down the hallway of the church office And if you've ever walked down the church hallway, office, back to where my office is, on the right side of the wall, there are gray picture frames with pictures. And each of those pictures are the pastors of the church. From the beginning of the church, and and the last picture is my picture. And I walk down that hallway every week. and, And sometimes, I'm tempted to worry, to feel anxiety about where I stand, or if I'm worthy Now, can I stop for a minute and say, please don't come talk to me about this. I don't need you to talk to me about this. But I walk down that hallway, and I see pictures of pastors that I know some of you love very much, and I've heard some of you say, oh, that pastor, he was the best preacher. And that pastor, oh, he was the best at caring. And and listen, my father was the pastor. If you're new here, my father was the pastor before me, and I know that you guys love him more than you love me, and you should, because he's better than me. A hundred percent, maybe a thousand percent, but I, yeah, thank you, Nate. <laughs> but I walk down that hallway and I look at those pastors and I'm tempted to think, hey, where do I stack up? What do people think or what are they going to say about me? And it causes some anxiety, because the truth is, I want to be liked. I want to be thought of as a good speaker. I want people to think I'm a good leader. I want to measure up. I feel like this is a huge role to be in and big shoes to fill, and I want to fill them well. But can I tell you what, it doesn't matter what you think of me. It doesn't matter if you think I'm a great preacher or the best leader. All that matters is that I'm faithful to God and that I do the job that God has called me to do faithfully. And one day when I stand before Jesus, and listen, we're all going to stand before Jesus and we're going to give an account. One day when I stand before Jesus, it's not going to be, hey, hey, what did those people in your church think about your preaching? What did they think about how you led? It's going to be, how faithful were you to God and what does God think? And so, I spend this time worrying and having anxiety and caring what everyone thinks. And this says, cast your cares, cast your anxieties on Him. I know that some of you have a lot of anxiety over whether you're going to be cared for, whether you're good enough, whether you're going to make it tomorrow. God's Word says, cast all your anxieties on Him, and He will take care of you. Here's the best news. We can put our trust in God. It says this one line at the end. It says, cast all your anxiety on Him because He... Cares for you. Do you know what is amazing about our God? Is that our God, cre- I say this all the time, I'm gonna keep saying it to you, our God created all of this. Our God created, we, we talked about this in January, our God created us and knows us. But can I tell you that our God loves us and cares for us? That, that the God of the universe, the God that created you, cares about you. He cares about you so much that he sent his one and only son to a cross so that you could have salvation in life. Our God cares. I did a funeral this week, and I don't think I had ever met the person that I was doing the funeral for, but as I sat with the family and and I heard the story of that person, all I could think about was that I, I, I don't know how good or bad of a person they were. I don't know how many times they came to church, if they ever came to church. I don't know what the situation is, but here's what I do know, that God loves and cares for that girl. And here's what I want you to know, that you can trust God completely because He cares for you more than you'll ever know, more than anybody else in your life. God cares for you. And so cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Here's the deal. There's nobody... That loves you more has gone to greater lengths for your good than God. So, cast your cares on him. It goes on in verse 8. And the third part of this, the first part talks about our relationship with each other, humility in our relationship with each other. The second part talks about humility in our relationship to God. Humble ourselves before God. The third part talks about the enemy. And I want to just be real with you today. There's an enemy that is prowling around. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Yet this, this tells us plainly, the, the reason that humility is so tough is because the enemy is constantly at work trying to pull us away from God. The enemy whispers in your ear, did you see how they looked at you? Did you hear what they said to you? Do they even value you? Do they care about you? And the enemy wants to get in your head. And this, I'm t- this isn't fake. This is God's Word. The enemy is out there trying to deceive you, trying to pull you away from, from God and from the journey to the cross. And, and so it says, keep your mind focused on Christ. Resist the enemy and stand firm in your faith. I can't tell you how often I hear of distractions in the church, and that's what they are. They're distractions in the church, disagreements, arguments. Somebody says something. Somebody does something. We don't agree on something, and they become distractions that pull us away from what really matters, and that's being faithful to God. The enemy wants to divide us, wants to consume us, wants to devour us. So keep your eyes, keep your focus on Christ. Humility is only possible when our hearts and minds are focused on Christ. And so that's our three things in your relationship with each other. Clothe yourselves in humility. Serve one another. Humble yourself completely under God. Trust Him completely with everything. And the third thing is keep your mind focused on Christ. That's the only way you can live in the humility that God calls you to. And here's the promise at the end, verse 10. And the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To Him be the power forever and ever amen. So, so here's, the, here's the promise today, that if you will clothe yourselves in humility, if you will take up your cross and follow Him daily, if you will surrender completely, He will lift you up. He will take care of you. He will give you life to the fullest. Luke chapter 9, Verse 24 says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me, in other words, whoever takes up their cross, whoever clothes themselves in humility, whoever loses their life for me will save it. Worship team's going to come up and we're going to respond to God's Word, and and one of the ways we're going to do that, there's four different response stations throughout the Lent season. We've got four different response stations, and and so one of them is over here on the side. There's a prayer station. If you need somebody to pray with you, uh, there will be people there to pray with you from the prayer team, and they would love to pray for you. And, and so as we sing the last three songs, I, I want you to know that if you need to, if you need prayer, you can go over right over there to the corner, and somebody will pray with you. If you want to go to prayer, maybe you've been. Maybe God's been speaking to you through his word. There's, an al- there's altars over here by the cross. There's altars right here. You can come and pray. That's another response. The, the third is that there's a prayer station in the back, and it's focused on helping you Be clothe yourself in humility. The fourth is this. We're going to take communion together today, but we're going to do it a little bit different. You know, usually we give you the elements as you walk in, and then at a certain point I stand up here and I tell you, to take the body and blood of Christ. Today, we're going to do it on your own. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray, and then when I say amen, we're going to release you to respond. There's five different stations for communion, two in the back, two in the front, one in the balcony. You can come and get the elements, and you can take communion on your own as you're ready. But here's what I want us to know as we take communion today. And communion, when Jesus gathered with his disciples, he said, this is my body that's broken for you. This is my blood that's shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As we take communion, we remember what Jesus has done for us. We remember that his body was broken and his blood was shed. But remembering is more than just thinking. Today, we are called to clothe ourselves with humility, to take up our cross and follow him. And so as you take communion, remember, think about what he's done for you. Think about his body that was broken, his blood that was shed, but then commit yourself to take up your cross and follow him. Father, I pray that you would speak to us now. Lord, humility is tough. And Lord, living living for you is tough and and walking with you daily and surrendering completely is tough. Lord, I pray that you would help us today. I pray that we would respond to your word, Lord. I pray that you would speak to us. And Lord, as we come and and get the elements and as we take communion, Lord, I, I just pray that your grace would flow and that you would help us, Lord, that you would call us deeper and you would help us to be who you've created and called us to be. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're here. In Jesus' name. Amen.